0: Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host Shane Lee. Today on the show, John Eales, a former Australian rugby union captain, playing 153 first class games for Queensland and 86 tests for Australia. 55 as captain. He's a member of both the 1991 and 1999 World Cup winning teams and is the most capped lock of all time. Away From Sport is a double major in Arts and Psychology, a founder of both The Metal Group and John Hills Five, a director of many companies, and he loves his cricket. And Toby Green, a professional AFL footballer currently playing for the GWS Giants. He's represented the club on 191 occasions, kicking 265 goals. He's a two-time All-Australian, three-time GWS leading goal kicker and winner of the Kevin Sheedy medal in 2016. Away from sport, he studied business management and is currently doing his MBA. He loves to surf, he loves his soccer, and he loves his coffee. Let's get started. with Lee, I'm your host Shane Lee. Today on the show, John Eels, a former Australian Rugby Union captain. Welcome John. Thanks Shane, good to be here. Thanks you mate. And Toby Green, a professional AFL footballer. Welcome Toby.
1: Thanks mate, thanks for having me.
0: Thank God I got the introduction out of the way boys. Now John, I want to start with you mate, because I, I bumped into you only a week or so ago at the Mossman Cricket Lunch. I know you love your cricket. Um, is it true you played a game with your son Elijah recently and, and put on a 100 run partnership?
2: that's not quite true like it was it was a few years ago we did um i played a lot of cricket when i was younger uh more than rugby actually and then uh after we moved to sydney elijah was very young when we moved to sydney but he has always played at mossman and when he was coming up through the grades so sometimes whether it was fifth or sixth grade or something like that i think that was short uh one time you get the late call up and The three games I got the late call-up for, I batted with him every time. (laughs) Nice. And and probably one of my, um, I think we might have had a 50-run partnership or something like that, but probably one of my favourite sporting memories was being at the other end of the pitch, struggling, while he uh, got his first ever century playing cricket. So that was a pretty special moment. I'm not sure it was as special for him, but it was good for me.
0: And you said you played a lot of junior cricket. You're quite tall. You must have been a big fast bowler, surely.
2: Look, I I wasn't that fast, but I could probably get a bit of bit of awkward bounce from time to time. Um, I was more a batsman growing up, right. but uh, yeah, m- mostly at school, and uh, <laughs> then played a little bit after school for Queensland Uni.
0: Saby, you would probably make a good ruckman, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would. <laughs> <laughs> and Toby, and uh, you grew up uh, in in. Um in uh, Victoria um, and you made your way do you ever think when you're growing up being an Essendon supporter that you'd be living and, or playing for for GWS Western Sydney
1: uh, no not at all well they weren't around when, when no. I was growing up so um, I guess uh, it wasn't until when I was eight, 17 my draft year um, they, we knew they had all the early picks in that draft and so it was either um, yeah, going here or Brisbane so you sort of got your head around it you know a month out of the draft and I didn't really want to come to the Giants at the time because I didn't know anything that they hadn't started, and um, it was all a bit new. But uh, and I'd never been to Sydney, so um, it was. But it was awesome. It's been an awesome experience, and um, the club's come a long way from when we first started. Sure.
0: And what's that experience like as a? um, Because we don't get it in rugby union. We don't have a draft. We don't in cricket. You don't have a draft. Um, We've just seen the, the AFL draft was the last two nights. What's it like for for the young kid? He's, is he waiting there at home with his family for the his name to be read out? What's what that experience like?
1: Yeah, it's um it's pretty it's a pretty cool experience to be honest. Um, I know some kids. Um, I was down there on Monday night. I had to present the jumper to our number one pick, and um, he's a cra- he's a cracking kid and just just a, just a really good uh, really good family. So, um, but I guess if you you know in after that, if you're not if you're not sure if you're getting drafted, it's um. It's a pretty tense night for some boys and, you know, it's either, you know, you get to follow your dreams or you've you got to come back next year and have a crack at it. Um, so it is pretty intense, for, for, you know, for, for some boys and then others, uh, you know, the higher picks know they're getting drafted but they don't know where they're going in Australia so it's, um, it's an interesting experience. The AFL do really well yeah, now. It's the first I time I, I've been there since I got drafted. Um, it was a pretty cool setup and... Um, yeah, it's good to see you know how happy so so those young kids are.
0: And John, you seem you obviously played a lot of your career growing up. But how old were you when you thought, nah, I'm going to go the rugby rugby way?
2: Look, it probably wasn't until uh, you know I was about eighteen or nineteen. Probably wow, nineteen. Quite late. Yeah, like in the under nineteen uh, Colts team at Brothers. Like I had two years playing Colts, and um, which is under twenty now, but it was under nineteen then. We had a coach called Ron Price, who would not, not many people probably know about him uh, you know, broadly around Australia, but in rugby circles in Brisbane, he was a former A-grade coach and came back to coach us in Colts, and he was probably the guy that lit the fire for me more than anything else and provided opportunity and challenge, which at the end of that second year of Colts, when we won the grand final... Uh, I got picked in the state squad and it was a big state squad like there yep. might have been 65 people John Connolly used to pick a really broad squad and there was all these training opportunities that came with it I really threw myself into that because I was in, enjoying it and uh, the opportunities came from there and came pretty quickly after that actually
0: well, What I want to talk to you two both about so I think I try and find things in common with different people having the show and different guests and um, you both and John you've done this you've made a transition from sport into business um, you sit on a number of boards so, so well done in that regard and, and Toby you're, you're studying now I know you're doing the MBA, so you're very conscious of life after sport is, is, is it good to have a I'll ask you first John is it good to have a plan B do you think or is it if I asked my brother Brett Brett always said if he didn't if he couldn't bowl he was, he was fucked <laughs> but Ted, what, what were your thoughts on that?
2: Uh, look I, I, I think you a mad. Not not only is it good to have a plan B, you are mad not to have a plan B. Yeah, because sport can be really fickle, and oh, yeah. and you do need to throw your, yourself into it absolutely full on to be successful in it. But you also have spare time in sport. Uh, you know it's one of the you can't train all hours every day. No, um, no. Yeah, you will know, have some time off, and I think making use of that time off for me was was really important because I. I enjoyed having time outside the rugby environment. I enjoyed turning my mind to things that weren't about playing the game and focusing that weekend. So it was actually a really important counterbalance to to what I was doing there. And um, look, I I think as I I went through from when I first started, and rugby was amateur for my first half of my career, playing for the Wallabies and, and the Reds, and then it turned professional after that. So I was pretty lucky with timing, but I really think I was lucky from both respects, experiencing yeah, as an amateur sportsman and then experiencing as a professional sportsman because as an amateur sportsman, you knew there had to be life afterwards. And for me, I always thought, well, if it all ended tomorrow, which it can in sport, or if it all ended today, this is what I'd do tomorrow. And that thing I would do tomorrow changed right throughout my career Yeah, um, of course with experience
0: I had a very similar experience I started New South Wales at sort of 89, 90 um, we were semi-professional I put the semi-professional then I reckon in <laughs> 95 we turned professional and so that I played in 2002 so best of both words so is, that, is that how you see it mate that's why you're, you're doing your MBA.
1: yeah very similar um... I guess it's not it's not semi-professional for us though, no. and since I started, it's been you know, full time. Yep. Um, but yeah, you know, from 18 to 22, though, I guess you you don't really know what's going on outside of footy, and yeah, true. and nor should you either. I reckon, you know, especially for kids that move away from where they're from, um, you know, it takes a lot to get used to, and and I think they should be, you know, sort of all in and just sort of soaking up the environment. But then. For me, and it happens for a lot of boys, um, as time went on, I thought, oh, I've started to start to, you know, have a look at outside the footy here and, you know, what do I enjoy? It was probably mum, to be honest, who pushed me down the uni path and started, good that. Yeah, yep. I started that early on and it took me a good eight, nine years to finish my degree and I, well done, uh, mate. I, um, I didn't take it too seriously to the last four or five years, so... Um, but once I did that and started to really enjoy, it and you know, you, you get surrounded by a lot of good business people through AF, through AFL and yep. through your sponsors and um, through your co- corporate guys, and I became I started to really enjoy that, and you know, getting to meet some of these guys, found them super interesting, and um, yeah, finished my degree a couple of years ago, and then thought, well, you know, I've got four or five years left on my contract, I oh, I might as well try and do an MBA, so well come out of footy with an MBA and you know, try and find out what I want to do after that in the next four or five years.
0: John, you and I have something in common, mate. We both... I have a degree in psychology as well. And um, do you reckon that helped help you as a captain?
2: I think it... Uh, it certainly didn't hurt. I just... I think the ability... Just going through any degree and learning the process of, yeah. of study. And, yeah, my dad was a school principal and, and, and teacher. And he always used to emphasise that... Um, it's not what you learn, it's learning how to learn. It's, you know, that, that's the most important thing. And, uh, and I think that was one of the things that a broad uh, arts degree with psychology really taught me how to learn things and, and, and gave me this broad perspective on life that I thought was pretty useful.
0: I remember doing, uh, so I did a science degree major in psychology and um, a lot of it was statistics early doors, which is, you know. You have to do it.
1: Hard work, though.
0: Uh, hard work, mate. But anyway, but, but I remember being in a, um, a tutorial class with a good mate of mine who went to university, a guy called Anthony McGuire. We played cricket together. Um, the rest of our class were pretty much about 16 or 17 girls. I reckon were, most of the girls were probably trying to work themselves out, like we were at the time. Um, and I was giving a talk on Sigmund Freud, you know, the, I don't know, call him a sexual pervert, but he had his own theories. <laughs> and he talks about when a young girl's born, her first true love is a father, because he has the phallic symbol of a penis. And Freud called that penis envy, and I said, "Look, Anthony, I've been going to the to the beach bar in Wollongong most Wednesday nights. We've both got massive vagina envy." <laughs> And the teacher didn't laugh and just said, Shane, can you please get on with it? And um, went there, yeah, lead balloon. But um, I got the degree in the end anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that'd go down any better these days. Different times, John, different times. We might just take a quick break now. We're back to District Brasserie here in Chifley Tower. And uh, we all know this is my favorite restaurant in Sydney. By the way, if you're looking to book a function before Christmas, get in early. It's so busy in here. Um, we're gonna start today. We're gonna share some starters. We'll have the rock oysters, which are amazing. Today I'm going to try something a little bit different. I'm going to have the beef short rib with caramelised onion, which looks amazing. Some french fries, a little O'Brien beer to wash it down and uh, I'll tell you what, maybe a nice glass of Shiraz to go with that uh, beef short rib. Let's get started. In life, the most important thing is trust. Without it, everything is a lot harder in a quickly changing and turbulent time. Barclay Pierce Capital is a safe pair of hands, an organisation built on people. They understand you've worked hard to build your nest egg and their asset management business is tailored to suit your needs. Their services help grow your wealth in order to provide long-term safety and security for you and your family. BPC, just a phone call away.
2: If you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing
0: adventure, then join the Osha Group. They exceed expectations on what racehorse ownership should look like. Australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth. Through a strategic, well managed and data driven approach, there is now a very real opportunity
2: to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio. Find the Osha Group online at theoshagroup.com.
0: Toby, um, you're a soccer fan as well. Have you been watching? Are you going to be up tomorrow morning to watch the, the, the game Australia plays, Denmark?
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, oh, world Cup's uh, probably my favourite sporting event in the world. Wow. So, um, yeah, I'll, be, nah, I'll definitely be up. I think I'm going to go to a, a friend's pub to go watch it as well. So try and get a nap from, I don't know, <laughs> 9 till 12 and then go there. So, no, nah, but I have been getting up. I was up this morning to watch England and I love it. Yeah, it's... Um, it's my grand final, the World Cup, I love it.
0: And, and John, for you, World Cups, 91-99, um, you played in the, the golden era. Oh, I think it was oh, it's golden era of sport. I think uh, from memory, when we won the 99 Cree World Cup, we'd won the rugby, um, we won the netball. I think we, I think Australia even beat the Palms in darts that year.
2: And we won Davis Cup that we year We won as the well. Davis Cup, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Um, the, the World Cup, that's a pinnacle, isn't it, for any, any sportsman, do you think?
2: Yeah, certainly in rugby, it's our, it's the main focus. Every four years, yep. you want to participate in it, you want to do well, you want to win it. And uh, I was very fortunate. My first year playing was the World Cup year in 1991. Yeah. And so I came into a team that had been through a lot of the hard yards just to get there and put themselves in striking distance of winning it. And yeah, so that was a wonderful experience. Then I was there in 95 when we were the defending champions and lost Um, I think we had a had a good team but we probably you know I I don't think we had the best preparation for that one but then being part of a team that then got worse after the 95 World Cup when I became captain and then (laughs) but then was part of a a team that worked our way up through that whole journey and was able to win it again was something that was pretty special
0: and then so I want to ask you about both about a a, a kick you both did right Um, two of my favourite kicks in, in footy First with you, John, 2000, I think it was Wellington. Let us look Cup, You have the famous kick where you've gone, we'll, we'll take the kick for goals. Then you realise Sterling Milklock wasn't on the field and you had to take that famous kick. Well, what was going through your head just then when that happened?
2: Look, I think as a, uh, you know, as a sports person, you actually love those moments. You live for those moments. Yep. And, and so the first thing that goes through your body is this excitement. The next thing is this yeah you know, i suppose nerves yeah um but you get used to it's probably better i was able to take it at that end of my career than the than the front end of my sure. career because you become a lot better at just dealing with those yeah, situations sure. and um so first thing is nerves and excitement second thing is i've got a job to do and you just go back to your routine and i suppose this is where that psychology background did help like it became focus on the process and i had a very set routine simple routine which was set the ball up, choose the direction you're going to kick it, and then say to myself three things. First was head down, second was slow, third was follow through to the post. And if I did those three things, you knew you'd get it 80 to 90% of the time. If you didn't do one, you might and, get it 40% of the time. And fourth
0: was four O'Brien beers, thanks. Straight <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, yeah. laughs> yes, up to it. Very, very happy. <laughs> and, and Toby, um, uh, I think you're playing Carlton uh, after Siren, you, you're about 60 out. You hit the barrel, you, the old barrel, the, the big torpy. Can yeah. you bring the barrel back, mate? Every kick this year, mate, that was unbelievable. That's defence the fence on the full.
1: Yeah, so there was absolutely no process. <laughs> I realized I was too far out to kick a drop punt, and ball probably had to travel 65 to um, clear the line. So I thought, oh, I'll have a crack at the torp here. and um, I don't practice them or anything really like that. It's a few of the boys do, but I, I don't. Um, and it came off better than I could ever imagine. That was <laughs> a, a
0: beauty, mate. No. I don't
1: think I will try another one because I just want to finish on that. Well, it's very sensible. Like, it's, You look
0: at rugby and rugby league now. That um, They've taken a lot from AFL and how they, how they used to kick for touch. Like, A lot of the time they try and hit a, um, a, a torpy to, to kick the ball for touch, particularly in rugby league. It changed a lot. They've learned. Do you see that across both codes? Do you think sort of learning from skills from different sports?
2: I think one of the things as a sports person, you're always trying to learn from other sports. Sure. There's always things. Yeah. And I always found that people, generally the best athletes, were not only great athletes in that sport. They, yeah. they, they crossed code. Jason Little was one of the great um, rugby players of my era. I think he could have, could have played cricket for yeah. Australia. He, he was so dominant when he was younger. He was a national-level high jumper, and he was a... Wow. Um, and he was a great rugby player, and he could have, of course, played rugby league as well. So, like, and but but that he wasn't necessarily an exception. So, a lot of the people could do that, and so learning from other sports was important. Where John Muggleton uh, was instrumental in in helping uh, inform our defensive systems, right. and he came from rugby league. And now, rugby league and rugby union are more you know, they're not quite brothers, but they're certainly cousins as sports. There's a lot of similarity, but. It's still being able to apply those lessons. And, of course, kicking, there's a lot from AFL. Who,
0: is your, who did you find personally? Because the thing I love about team sports is always the comp, the battle within the battle, right? Um, for you, I'll ask you both the question. Who, who's, who was your toughest opponent, John?
2: I think, to, like in rugby, it's hard to say yeah, you've got a one-on-one yep. as much. Um, so the All Blacks were the, the toughest from the perspective that... Uh, They had that ensemble game. They could pretty much do anything. But when it came to toughness, there were no team tougher than South Africa to play against. And they always wanted to. And even France were in a very similar category. Those teams would want to win the physical battle before they'd worry about winning the the, the test in some respects because that was their their gateway to winning the, the whole test. So you knew you had to confront that physical battle before you had to worry too much about everything else in the game. Because if you didn't win that, you, you didn't you didn't have a ticket to play.
0: That's a really good segue into and in your style of play. You're you're quite physical, and you, you often dominate in that space. And it's got you in trouble a few times here and there. I don't necessarily agree with it. <laughs> but but is, is that, is that a, a thing you try and do to dominate personally? Like you're. Like...
1: Nah, no, I wouldn't say I go no? out with the intention of um, of you know playing a physical brand. I guess it's just something I have always done as a kid. But yep. um. No, nah, I mean, I guess in footy, it's, and it's playing in the forward line, you have someone trying to stop you. Their only job is to to make sure you don't play well. So, That's right. Um, it becomes a bit more of a yeah one on one, and you know, a bit of a personal battle as well. So um, there is aspects of that that you know certainly when if guys are getting on top of you, you get a little bit frustrated, or um, and then you ride the wave when you're going well. But um, a guy like Dylan Grimes from Richmond is someone that we've had a lot of good battles yeah. with over the years, and. Richmond as a side, you know, they've, they've had the wood over us and, and won premierships against us and prelim finals. So um, he's someone that I you know, always, you know, look at the fixture and go, yeah, okay, well, you know, <laughs> we're on here. <laughs> Who,
0: who'd, who'd, you, uh, who'd you like Toby? growing up? Who'd you look up to? Who, what sort of style of footballer?
1: <laughs> I, was, uh, I was a big James Hood fan. He was my right. hero okay. growing up. So, um, yeah, I was, uh, I was obsessed with him
0: as a kid. And, John, what about you, mate? Who were your sort of heroes growing up? Because you, you said you liked cricket. Originally, and um, but who are your heroes sporting wise?
2: Yeah, look, it was, there was like three from cricket and three from rugby that okay. I like for different reasons. Yep. And uh, you know, obviously, growing up in my era, it was like um, it was Lily Marsh and Chapel. Yeah, you know, the the ones that I love for oh, different reasons. you yeah, and I, you know, and I you know really would study those people, read a lot about them, and understand. And uh, and from rugby, it was. Paul McLean was, you know, a great Queensland 5'8", and uh, for Wallaby 5'8", and then there was Mark Lone and Tony Shaw, and
0: yeah, okay, I've, wow. got,
2: I've got to meet all of those people and, and got to know them, some of them, really, really well in my life. And I, the great thing is that they're all better men than they were sportsmen. Well, okay. And uh, I, think, yeah, that's you, uh, I think, you that's something I think you really appreciate.
0: Well, can I ask you a question about Eden Park? Now, did, did you... The last one at Eden Park was 86, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it was eighty six. So I wasn't well, where, playing where for you the So, yeah, so, you, so, you, so you, you never
0: won a match at Eden Park.
2: No, I didn't. With Queensland, we beat them in in Auckland, but actually, I think even that time we didn't play them at Eden Park. Played uh, uh, Auckland, Auckland, but um, but the All Blacks, I probably played them there. I don't know, maybe only maybe only a couple of times. Yeah, there. But uh, we lost 1-6-3, I remember that. All right, that but was a tight so, game.
0: So, What do you think it is? Because it's it's. It's the same size field. It's, just, it's a bizarre sort of taboo, isn't it, for the Wallabies? I, I don't quite get it.
2: Well, look, if you look over the last... Uh, I, I think the, the last game <laughs> we... Yeah, and if, the last time the Wallabies won in New Zealand was in 2001. So it's not as if we're just losing at Eden Park. We're losing it everywhere yeah, over there. Yeah, sure. And if you look at New Zealand's success rate in New Zealand, it's probably something like 80 to 90%. So. Yep. Yeah, it's not just Eden Park. It's a hard uh,
0: place to play. It's funny because um, I'd played cricket there and um, we actually did lose a the game there. But the, the funniest story I've got from that game, I was fielding at fine leg. Michael Bevan was that third man. And at the time, we played prior to... In 99, we were in the West Indies and, and the ground got invaded by the spectators. So we had all these new rules about security of players and if the siren went off, we had to run to the middle of the ground. Anyway, the siren went off and I was looking at Michael Bevan and there's some guys, a <laughs> New Zealand guy in the crowd brought in a whole salmon and he picked up a whole salmon and he did the John West and he threw a salmon and he hit Bevo in the back of the head and dropped him and the sirens went off, we were all running to the ground and Bevo said he'd been hit by a cricket bat or something, right? And I said to Steve Ward, oh, no, no, he's been hit by a whole salmon. <laughs> Steve Ward said, you're off your head or something? What's, what's going on with you? And sure enough, it was, um, I read the paper the next day and it said some New Zealand company were poisoning the waters off New Zealand and it was killing the salmon farming industry, so it was a protest.
2: <laughs> wow! Cool. I just
0: got stuck in it. <laughs> Be- 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 goes, yeah, stuck in the middle. It was a, it was a steel baseball bat, you reckon? <laughs> and, uh, it, it was a fish, mate. Well, hold it there. We're just going to take a quick break. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. The new EliteBet app has arrived. It's got all the betting features you expect and new ones you're going to love. EliteBet is your one-stop shop on race day with Hot Bet where you can back the tips of proven winning punters. Build fast sports multis and play same-game multis. The EliteBet app is the smoothest betting experience around. Trusted for 10 years, EliteBet is 100% Australian-owned. The only betting app you need this summer is EliteBet. Gamble responsibly. Join this episode, maybe check out a previous one where I had former Wallaby captain, the predecessor to John Eels, Phil Kearns with Andrew May, He spoke about all things rugby, performance and life.
2: Um,
0: Toby, what about the grounds for you, like um, playing, I love watching the Swines, I'm a Swannies man, um, it's very different playing the SCG, say to the MCG, where, where do you enjoy playing?
1: Oh Yeah, the MCG is probably the one, yeah. as a kid, you know, you grow up and that's the you know that's the pinnacle of AFL and they play obviously the grand final there Um, it's a pretty big stadium as well when you walk out for the first time so I mean that's that's yeah that's probably the one but um, it's uh, I guess it's different in footy as well every ground's got a bit different nuances so um, different
0: wind and different crowds yeah yeah
1: yeah, they're all different so it's oh you know that's a good thing about the sport I reckon yeah it's um, cool but the MCG is a kid, and you know, going to games there, you go Anzac Day or you know finals there. It's a pretty special occasion. Pretty
0: special. Um, I ask everyone who comes on the show the same question. I'll ask you first, John. Um, a young boy or girl wants to go into to play rugby professionally. What advice would you give them?
2: I think uh, look, it, this sounds really simple, but I, but I think it's just love the people and love the game. Yeah, you know, the best. Okay. One of the best things I've read. Um, while while I was playing there was a guy I loved, Jean-Pierre Reeve was a French captain and uh, wonderful player in the 80s, used to watch him play a lot and he's become a very good friend since and I I was reading something he wrote and he he spoke about rugby, he said rugby's a a game with 30 men and a football but you take away the football and you've still got rugby and and to me rugby is a game about the, it's about the people it's a global game, wherever you go it doesn't matter, you know, if you're A great player or or, or can hardly play, you're going to be welcomed by a rugby club around the world and I think it's that fraternity and so for someone to get the most out of the game, they want to embrace all aspects of the game from that perspective.
0: I've heard people say that before, yeah, uh, rugby, it it is a fraternity, definitely. All all you need is a pair of boots and a mouth guard and and people will welcome you, it's it's, it's a great thing and Toby, a young boy or girl wants and big opportunities now for the girls in AFL, they want to to go into that world, what advice would you give them mate?
1: I'd say probably pick an international sport so you can travel the world. <laughs> no, um, that is one thing that we miss is the game, which, um, sure. you know, it's something I'm certainly jealous of. But um, oh, I guess as a kid, it's just about enjoying it. And, you know, like, um, you know, my being been in Sydney 11, 12 years now. Seeing how many boys and girls play Oz kick and yes. junior footy now compared to when I started, it's just crazy, you know, what AFL has done and being able to bring all these kids in. It's um, you know, I've noticed it the most in New South Wales, but um, it's, it's, yeah, it's just a great game to play as a kid. And, you know, as time goes on, it gets more serious. And, um, you know, you've got plenty of years of, you know, from 15 to 18 where it's, you know, you're sort of acting professionally almost. But um, as a kid, I just say get involved and you know, find out if you love the game.
0: John, did you think from going back to, take yourself back to 991, did you think that AFL would be eroding people playing rugby union in private schools in Sydney?
2: Well, I think it is, as Toby said, it's quite extraordinary what AFL has done yeah. here, and um, it shows the power in a you know in a national sport. You don't have to be international to be a great sport, and you know some of the the biggest sports are really just national sports. Yep. And America has got a couple of examples of that. Um, no, look, I didn't I didn't didn't pick the extent to which it would. That that's for sure. It's been quite amazing. Because um, when I grew up in Brisbane, it I mean, AFL was there. Yeah, I knew people that played it, but not many. Yeah, and uh, yeah, now it's uh, Dominate, you know, it's yeah. just yeah, it's just um, absolutely part of the landscape, part of the culture all around the country, and it's done incredible. I, I, I job. think
0: one of the things that AFL has that every other sport doesn't have is a genuine off season, and and you're seeing that the cricket starts, say, the Test match, and they we're playing the West Indies, I believe, in Perth, and like there used to be a day where I was so excited about the first ball of a Test match. And now it's like, far out. I don't know when it's going to be on and, and who's yeah. playing. And they've almost bastardised the sport a bit, which is a real issue. Um, I just want to finish on two questions. And, and Toby, ask you first. GWS, how will they go this year? And what's your predictions? Who's going to win the flag? You can't say GWS because <laughs> that, um, that's been
1: biased. Well, we yeah, we didn't have a great year last year. And, you know, we've got a whole new coaching staff yep. and brought in a lot of kids last uh, two nights ago. and yep. Some good young, like, like some really high draft picks. So... Um, we got a lot, you know, it's a bit of a changing of the guard and um, I hope we, you know, sort of bounce back and can challenge in finals. it um, be really interesting to see how we go, I guess, a um, whole new game style, new coach, new coaches, so it's all new for me as well and you know, I we start on Monday, the young boys have started, so don't really know what we're doing yet, but um, I'll find out. Um, oh, and then it's to who will win it. Um, if it's not us, I, I, you know Geelong were, uh, you know, Again, unbelievable last yeah. year. But Swans have got a great list, and you know they're young as well, so they could be dangerous for a while. Um, so yeah, you know, they're they both you know red hot shot.
0: But I'll be out there at the SCG to watch GWS play the Swans next year, mate. So I hope you kick ten. And I hope we win by one point. Yeah. So that, that that's that's my tip. And, and John, hopefully, Rugby Union's hit rock bottom. A good comeback against Wales. There was I think they were 22 points down with 20 minutes to go and they won that they've been pretty close there and thereabouts uh, 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 is, is this going to be the the upkick that we need
2: yeah look uh, I, I think um, the rugby world has never been more you know flat as in as in from the perspective that there's so, every team in the top 10 can pretty much beat another top 10 team okay and and that's happening much more regularly than it ever happens so Partly Australia are not as strong as they used to be, but a lot of that is also the, the increased performance mm. of other teams around yep. the world. You now this year we've probably played as many, at least as many tests, if not more, than every other team. Most of them have been against top five nations. You know, we, we played a three test series against England, won one, lost two, but we we're within a score of winning either of those two in the last couple of minutes. We lost to the All Blacks controversially in Melbourne in the in the last second of the game. You know, the, the top two teams are Ireland and France. Yep. Yeah, we lost to both of those really in the last seconds of the game. Yeah. Um, and could have could have won both those games. So and and we have so many injuries at the moment. I think in the last game against Wales, there's over 20 people injured that could be would could have been considered for selection for the Wallabies. So when you take that all into consideration we are not far off it. And sometimes when you go through these really tough periods, and Toby would know this from his experience in sport, I think the outside world don't see it as quickly as the team can maybe see The team knows what's what's happening. You would have experienced this as well. You know, geez, we're making improvement here, here, here. It's not showing on the scoreboard Mm. yet. But often when it starts to show on the scoreboard... Yeah, there's this there's this great momentum that's already behind the prog- progress yeah, of the team. I agree. Yep. So it's that's that's a bit of an advantage going into a World Cup if that's the case, because by the time other people sort of think, yeah, the Wallabies are there, you're actually on this steamroll already by that stage. And I know that happened to us probably in '97 going into '98. '97 we felt in a lot of ways we were very close, but we just weren't uh, you know, nailing it in those crux moments. But then we started to get it right. Well, I want to thank you both for
0: coming to lunch with Lee. We're at District Brasserie here at Chifley Tower. I'm going to have a nice lunch now. And uh, thanks to Sam once again for hosting us. But um, I want to thank you both, John. And I'll probably see you around Mossman Oval watching the cricket at some stage. And um, and Toby, I'm a big AFL fan, mate. I'm a big fan of yours too, mate. I reckon you're a you, – you speak to all your mates. And I've done a little bit of research. They, they reckon you're one of the best team men in the g <laughs> club. They do. They, they love you, mate. So um, keep up the good work. And uh, Thanks again for coming on the show. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks for having us. Cheers, guys.
2: Yeah, thanks, Shane.
0: That's it for Lunch With Lee this week. A big you goes out to our guests, John Eels and Toby Green. Thanks to our sponsors, Barclay Pierce Capital, Elite Bet and O'Brien Beer. Make sure you hit follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. If you're passionate, please leave a review. And come check us out on Instagram, I'm at Lunch With Lee. Our official Lunch with Lee photography was done by Felicity Kelly. You can find her on Instagram at Felicity Kelly Portraits. And a big thanks once again to our producer, Dan McHugh. We'll be back soon talking to some more great legends about sport, music and business on another cracker episode of Lunch with Lee. We'll see you then.